Welcome to Biota Live. I'm Tom Bubbley, and this is being recorded live on TalkShoe, February 20th, 2010. Biota Live is a continuation of the Biota Podcasts. For more information on the Biota Podcasts, please go to biota.org slash podcast. Well, this podcast is being recorded a wide variety of times on Saturday, and in order to get Gerald de Jong to participate at a reasonable time, folks will recall, normally we call him or have him on the call around midnight or 5 a.m. his time. I'm recording it currently uh, 10 a.m. Pacific, which should be a relatively reasonable time on a Saturday for me to record. And uh, I see Gerald in the chat room, so Gerald will call in uh, when he has the chance to. But I thought I'd start with some news and notes. And first, I wanted to uh, send out a congratulations to Michigan State University. They have a new computational biology center, I believe. I don't actually have the press release in front of me. I just made very quick notes. But when I first saw the email, I thought, Michigan State University, why does that sound familiar? Well, they are the folks that have brought us Avida to date. Uh, And obviously, they've got a little bit of funding. They've secured a, a center, some kind of teaching uh, facility and it's wonderful news for folks who are listening in who are either part of Avida or are students or former students of that program at Michigan State it would be really wonderful to have someone from Michigan State on the Bio podcast to have a talk about Avida the new uh, center that they've set up uh, and just yeah general kind of shooting the breeze similar to uh, last Bio Live when we had uh, Hervé Noel on it would be wonderful to have someone from that facility on Live to talk a little bit about the facility, what it's doing. It was very interesting when it was uh, announced in a newspaper, the uh, a newspaper online, I should say. The comments in the newspaper online indicated that uh, these kind of courses are still rather controversial in the U.S. I thought it was a bit strange, but obviously, uh, you know, if a press release go out goes out, all quarters can uh, refute or discuss the press release in their own forums and then send folk on to the actual news report. So anyway, uh, congratulations to Michigan State University. It's wonderful to see these kind of uh, centres uh, evolve uh, and it's wonderful to get a sense that there will be a new generation of students going through talking about stuff associated with artificial life. So I have a few questions associated with various Dick Gordon book projects that I was going to say for Gerald. Um, so I'll wait till Gerald comes on and talk to him a little bit more about that. I did want to talk a little bit about the uh, Philosophy of Biology Conference in Salt Lake City. It has a very long acronym in 2011. And that currently is being associated with one of these Dick Gordon book projects. I had earlier announced that it was going to be a Biota 5 conference. I'm not really sure if that's still going on. My sense is that what will happen is that there may be a group of artificial life-related folk who attend. We have Gerald on the call. I'll just bring him in. Hello, Gerald. Hello there, Tom. I was just talking about various Dick Gordon book projects. Are you involved with any of the current Dick Gordon book projects? No, no, not at all. Uh, One of them was attached with the, I'm just calling it the Philosophy of Biology Conference. It has a much longer acronym, which I'm still fumbling to remember. But that's going on in Salt Lake City in 2011. I somewhat prematurely announced it as being possibly a Biota 5 conference, but it's looking more like it's going to be attached to uh, the specific Dick Gordon book. For background for folks listening in, rather than just calling them Dick Gordon book projects, One of the books is on the uh, origin of life on Earth and in other planets, 
And the other one is on the origin of design in nature. Uh, and these are two, I guess, relatively controversial topics in, in various quarters. There is a third book project, which I'm not sure what that, that one is on, but I'm sure Dick will announce to the community uh, in the near future. But my understanding is both those previous two books are still open, Gerald. So if you wanted to write for either or both of those, um, do you have any interest in the origin of life on Earth and other planets and similarly the origin of design in nature? The origin of design in nature? Um, you mean of writing a chapter for this book? or Yeah, uh, yeah perhaps, perhaps, although uh, it's... Uh, I'm, I'm not exactly where you'd search for uh, for, uh, for for concrete things to say at this level, but I'm sure I'm sure we could think of something. So my <laughs> is, it, is, is it is it straightforward to you? Well, I think it's all to do with the word design. I mean, I think the the problem with the word design is semantically it is it is smeared across a number of disciplines, none of which are biology. I might point out as well. So the whole idea of what design means when you talk to an architect, a mathematician, an engineer, an economist, they all have different meanings with regards to this word design, and none of them yeah, mean but, the same thing as intelligent if, design. No, but if you're, if you're talking about the, the design in nature, um, I mean, what, one thing that we can uh, sort of talk about sensibly is you know, the incremental design from, from one thing to the next. If you have a, a random mutation and it happens to be advantageous, it will survive, etc. So you can always, it's sort of a, um, a, an inductive argument. You know, once you're here, you can, uh, you can talk about design as, or at least apparent design as having come from, uh, you know, random uh, mutations and then uh, and selection or whatever whatever other mechanism is appropriate. But when you when you add the word origin in there, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the origin of design is you know random mutation and and natural selection. But if you think of origin in terms of where did the design begin and what did it look like when it began, that's an entirely different question. And I'm really not prepared to talk much about that at all because. It happened a long time ago, and I think uh, we, uh, you know, we could we could speculate somewhat, and and we can do experiments, but uh, I really don't think we can say a lot about the very first design that emerged, because it was only slightly more designed than what preceded it, which was no design. So, you know, how do you distinguish between uh, one, uh, you know, infinitesimal? position and, and, and the next. Well, that was certainly my... I mean, Dick originally proposed, I think, a set of seven books associated with the origin of dot, dot, dot. And I put back to him, and I've said this in a previous bias live, what he needed, which was missing from these set of books, was the origin of origin in terms of the philosophy, the, the, the metaphysics, even the physics associated with attributing an origin to any of these things. Because as you've noted, the whole notion of origin with regards to uh, it doesn't have an or it doesn't have design, it doesn't have a design, it doesn't have design, oh, mysteriously design has occurred here, is, is problematic with regards to all these topics. So I think what interests me within these, these book chapters, and as, as you've noted, none of them are really things that I talk about or develop with regards to Noble Ape or even through the discussions of Biota, 
is the potential for artificial life to offer something novel to the discussion. And I think what you've described is exactly the, the problem associated with the language. Um, but within that, I think well, there's some if, exploration. If there's, as far as tr contributing to the discussion, I mean, if, if you... If you're, uh, you know, fully conscious of the fact that uh, design uh, emerges very, very slowly by the process of, uh, of, uh, you know, natural selection, um, then, then you can you can find it all over the place because what you're looking for is is the slightest, uh, you know, in, in, in the slightest advancement of some kind, and you know, in the context of something that's already working very well. So it's just, you know, there, if you can see the slightest refinement happening, then you're already there. It's just uh, when people talk about the origin of design, uh, you could say the origin of design is something that occurs, uh, you know, with every biological creature, with every biological species all the time. Like the origin of this design, it's, it's of course still happening, just like it always did. There's nothing... Uh, you know, there's nothing halting it. It's not a historical thing. It's still happening. It's just that when when people think origin, they they think of the very very first design. But you know, there's also you know we've talked about um, uh, RNA world. You know, like the the, the situation where uh, it's I think somewhat speculative. But when the entire world was dominated by RNA because DNA hadn't arrived yet and it it, uh, it hadn't been sort of uh, overruled by by a, a better mechanism, so that's that's one thing you always have to keep in mind. I mean, as as soon as you get the slightest uh, ability to replicate pattern, then this pattern, you know, once it sort of spontaneously replicates, this pattern will take over the entire universe because there's nothing better than it yet. You know, it's it's just a, a bit of pattern, and and it spreads throughout the universe. It's when uh, when all the resources are used up, and and, and it starts competing with itself that uh, that you get potentially refinements in the pattern, and and it goes on and on and on from there. But you know, going for, looking for the for the very first example of design might be, uh, you know, not much more than observing. The very first bit of what you might call non-randomness, and and what that might be, and, and it just it, it won't really speak to people. The the thing that really has to be realized, I think, when you're talking about design in in, in nature, is that it's um, it's it just didn't happen quickly at all. It happened very very slowly and very very incrementally. Certainly, certainly. Well, I think you've just described a perfect chapter for Dick's book. So if you, if you want to pay well, the monthly transcription fee and then submit it to Dick, I'm sure he'd be, uh, he'd be more than happy to have that as a, as a chapter uh, within, this, within this time. Um, I'm not mm. sure how far Dick is going to go with regards to these origins of books. I think my main concern is that they are, I wouldn't want to say intellectual perturbations of the artificial life community, but really they... I guess anything that makes us move outside our comfort zone may be seen to be beneficial. Uh, but I think the underlying and more pressing questions within the community itself would, would also make interesting books. But Dick is doing his, his own thing currently. I have put this to Liz Swan, who is also an editor, uh, together with Dick and, and Joseph Seckbach, with regards to the origin of, uh, what is it, the origin of design in nature. 
Um, but I think, you know, this, this could be an interesting book project, and it is directly tied with this philosophy of biology conference in Salt Lake City 2011. Uh, but the other thing with regards to the community is that we're also in a position where we could create our own books, and certainly I think I started this year's uh, bio-live discussion, or maybe end of last year's, with exactly this point. And I, a question I have to you, Gerald, I mean, as you listen to these kind of things, how important are books to you today? Obviously, they were important through your early developments of artificial life and prior to then, but do you still find yourself reading books which impact you in a way which change your general your general worldview? Oh, yeah. This, this sort of thing happens from time to time whenever you... you pick up a book and that that really has a has an effect on you and and um like right now i'm reading strangely enough i'm reading a book uh, by uh, roger penrose uh that's uh describing sort of the origins of health uh, and like for example the you know the usages of uh, complex numbers and and uh, in, in in the Fourier transform and stuff like that, you know, these are inspiring things. But it comes from all different angles. And 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 what inspires a person to do artificial life uh, coding is, uh, you know, the it can be anything. And as you probably have uh, recognized from your contact with all the different people who have done it, the, the inspiration comes from from every which way. And it's really hard to pin down. And I can't at all say that I was inspired by a book that was written on artificial life. I guess my question relates more to the medium of a book these days, whether that still, I mean, obviously that still speaks to people that have been inspired by books previously, but certainly, I mean, I've had some feedback through the, the process as I say, we're getting feedback on, on Biota for the future which is identified, and I think Hervé did that perfectly as well, that this podcast, at least in Hervé's um, example, has acted as inspiration for them, which seems to be akin or even probably greater than a book in, in some regard. I'm, I'm wondering on a kind of personal level whether my own attachments to books, and probably I'm preaching to the choir here talking to you, is something which doesn't map well to, to all parties. I mean, you've been using Mitch recently, as a, as a kind of consultant with regards to the development of Darwin at home or uh, Tetragochi as, as it is now in, in, in name. Uh, do you get the sense that Mitch is similarly and his generation are similarly inspired by books as, as we are? And what do you think would the, be the ideal medium for, for someone of Mitch's generation? Oh, I I would uh, make uh, I would venture a guess that there's certainly a small proportion of kids at his uh, at his age group that that are inspired by books. You know, it's a, it's a real uh, it's a real sort of fringe community. There, these kids are they they all they're on online all the time. Um, and uh, funnily enough, I was talking to him uh, this morning about how he connects up with people on the on the net, and uh, I was surprised to find out that, that his actual, uh, you know, his sort of home online is a particular forum that he's found, and it's related to a particular musical group. But that is the place he logs into the moment he goes online, and that's that's his uh, his posse kind of, you know, and they're all interested in, in uh, this group and, and sort of groups like it and whatever. And the core thing that, that, that I was uh, able to, uh, to get out of him was that it's, it's actually the people who are there that is the attractive thing. It just happens to be the right community, the right, um, you know, combination of people. 
and uh, you know, in, in uh, bio is sort of a similar sort of thing where we've got a bunch of people who uh, who like to do this uh, this sort of experimentation or like to philosophize on it, and uh, and it's the attractiveness of it is actually you know the, the the sum of the parts in a way, plus of course the the dynamic of people getting people together. But it you know it it, it stands or falls based on who's there. Certainly. 